is true in life we all go through struggles we go through storms and we experience hardship we experience heartache we experience uh, tough times and difficult and and hard times and we experience great times too not just not just storms not just struggles not just trials and tribulations but maybe um some of you could maybe even now you're going through what you might even call a perfect storm and a perfect storm being where there's a convergence of a number of issues happening all at the same time and maybe we find ourselves praying and praying and praying and all our struggles necessarily they don't go away they're still there picture on the screen of a, of a uh, artist's conception of what Mark chapter 4 talks about when Jesus was in his, with the disciples in the boat and there was a fierce and vicious storm. Father, as we look into your word this morning, we pray that we'll gain some encouragement, some comfort, some strength, some direction, some enabling power of your Holy Spirit as every one of us face struggles and storms and things in our life and, and sometimes they seem to go on and on and on. So Lord, help us to find answers and help us to find some something to place our feet on this morning. I ask you to speak into our spirits and help us. Help us as we share in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever gone through a storm like in life, whether it be an illness or some relationship or some financial thing or job or whatever. And, and maybe even you might say, as I mentioned earlier, a perfect storm where things were just coming at you from all directions and it was the perfect storm. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them, and a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now the Sea of Galilee is 700 feet below sea level. 30 miles to the north is a mountain called Mount Hermon that rises 9,200 feet. The cold air from the mountain rushes down and meets the warm air from the Sea of Galilee, creating huge storms. For experienced sailors to feel the way that they did, it must have been quite the storm. These were not novices on the water. These were men who lived as a vocation on the water. They were familiar with storms on the Sea of Galilee. So it wasn't something unusual, but the circumstances that came together on that day must have been huge for them to be so afraid. They thought they were going to die. They panicked, and they wake Jesus up, and Jesus says, 
quiet. Be still. With a quiet, firm authority, that's all he said. And everything became perfectly calm. What an incredible account of an experience in their lives. Friends, as Freddie was praying, Jesus just doesn't have power. He is power. He doesn't just have it. He is power. Verse 40, when Jesus said to them, why are you so afraid? The word afraid there means timid, cowardly, fearful. And then in verse 41, when it says they were terrified, the word terrified there means alarmed, frightened, or greatly terrified. Now just think about this for a moment. I don't know if you've thought about this in this story, but before Jesus calmed the storm, they were timid or fearful. They were just timid, fearful, kind of cowardly. After he stilled the storm, they were terrified. Different word altogether. Before Jesus was awakened and the boat was nearly swamped, and they said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? I mean, don't you give a rip? Can't you see what's happening? Maybe you felt like that at some point in your life. Everything's going wrong. The perfect storm. God is asleep or he's apparently unaware of what's going on in your life. And we say or we're tempted to say maybe to ourselves, to a friend, to a spouse, or to God. Don't you care? Don't you see what we're going through? Don't you care? Jesus calmed the storm, and he didn't say to the disciples, you know, I totally understand why you were so afraid. I totally understand how you feel. I'm so sorry that I was sleeping. No, instead he says, why were you so afraid? Why were you so cowardly? And the disciples, they respond and say, what do you mean? Why were we so afraid? We were afraid we were going to drown. Can't you see the water that's come into the boat? We can only bail so fast. We were afraid that you didn't love us anymore. Because if you loved us, you wouldn't allow these things to happen to us. The big question people ask, if God is such a God of love, why does he allow this to happen? If God is such a great God and loves everybody, why does he allow this to happen? Does he really care? And you maybe scratch your head wondering, how do you answer that question? Well, today, you're going to have an answer. How do you answer the question when you're asking it? God, don't you care? Jesus' answer has this idea behind it. It's almost like, from my perspective when I read this story, it's almost like Jesus is saying, hey guys, you should have known better. 
I do allow people to go through storms. You have no reason to panic. You should have known better. I mean, after the storm, it says they were terrified. Now, why were you more terrified after the storm than before the storm? Here were a group of men who just now, they witnessed God's power in prior months and weeks, years, they witnessed God's power in healing people, casting out demons and all sorts of diseases. But now this was different. In two phrases, he calmed the wind and the waves. And I have a suspicion that now the disciples were totally aware that the God of Israel, Yahweh, was in the boat. That would have been a revelation to them. It was like his real identity. Now we knew he did miracles. We knew he healed people. We knew he cast out demons, but whoa. God Almighty, Jehovah, he's in the boat. And we can't get away. I guess Peter could have tried walking on the water again, but Maybe if he got his feet going fast enough, he might have made a little bit of traction. But Almighty God is in the boat. In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 5, when Isaiah saw the Lord, he said, Woe to me, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. When he had a revelation of God, it was like, Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm totally unclean in the presence of Almighty God. Every one of us here, we know that we deserve eternal punishment for our sin. All of us, we know. But thankful that Jesus went to the cross, amen? And there he paid the price for our sin. But there's the fear of the storm on the one hand, There's the fear of Almighty God on the other hand, but there's a big difference between the two. A storm doesn't love you, but he does. A storm doesn't love you, but he does. We've all experienced when we pray and we pray and we pray, And things don't turn out the way that we want or the way that we expect. Things don't always make sense. If Jesus is God, and he is, then he must be great enough to have some reason to let you and I go through things that we don't understand. He must have a reason. As we have seen in today's text, his power is unlimited. But so is his wisdom and so is his love. Nature is indifferent to you, but Jesus is filled with love for you. I mean, every morning when you get up, you look in the mirror and you see the effect of nature. You discover that there's another wrinkle. There's another different color hair or maybe no hair. I don't know which one. There's changes taking place. 
Friends, every one of us, from the day we were born, our day of departure from this earth was set. And we're all getting, we're discovering aches and pains where they never used to be and before it used to be muscle and nature's indifferent to us. Things change in our bodies and our life and, and things are just different. Now, I'm not saying that we can't still be healthy. I'm not saying we can't be taken to heaven when our moment is healthy. I'm not saying we can't. I'm just saying life is life. And the natural course of life is not the same. Doesn't seem to be the same for all of us. The storms of life are one thing. The love of God is a total another thing. When the disciples said, don't you care? It kind of sets up the rest of the story. See, if the disciples had known that Jesus was both powerful and loving, they would not have been so fearful. Friends, my premise this morning, one of my premises this morning is this. If we would fully understand that God is powerful and God is loving and God is wise, we would not be so fearful and so fretful when struggles and storms find their way into our life. Now, I know it's easier said than done, but let me show you how we can grasp some of this this morning. If they had known that he loved them, despite their sin, they wouldn't have been so terrified. But there now, there was a revelation of Almighty God, Jehovah, Yahweh, in the boat. And all of a sudden, that revelation of the mighty power of God revealed to them their own sinful state. Their own state of inadequacy and fear and untrusting. Jesus had come to save them, not condemn them, as the Apostle John said. And friends, Jesus has come to save us, not condemn us when we go through our times of fear. Their premise that if Jesus loved them, he wouldn't let bad things happen was all wrong. You see, Jesus can love someone and still allow difficulties and storms to happen to them because he's God. And he knows better than we do. So they're saying we're about to sink and drown. Jesus must not love us is how we feel. I'm overwhelmed with all these things in life and nothing seems to be happening the way I think it should or thought it should or anticipated it should. And Jesus mustn't mustn't love me as much as he loves that person or that person. Jesus was saying, and he's saying to us, if you know how much I love you, you'll stay calm. That's impossible, we think, because we're not calm in the storms of life. Are we? I'm not very calm. Sometimes I, I fret and fume. And Now I know this is going to be hard for you to understand, but sometimes I do get grumpy. Just ask my, just ask my wife. Pressures and stress and you, you get, 
I don't know about you, but I'm sure there's been the time when I've said as well, God, don't you care? Can't you see what's going on? A couple things in the story I think that will help us to thrive in the struggles and storms of life. Number one is this, and I think Jesus is trying to highlight this to them, and he wants to highlight it to us today, is when we're going through the struggles and the storms of life, we should remember two things. The first thing we need to remember is Jesus' love. Remember Jesus' love. Push aside the don't care. Push aside the accusations. In fact, there's some great similarity between Jonah and Jesus. Let me just list a few of them for you. We know the story of Jonah. You know, it's a great Sunday school story, and, and uh, we sung the songs, all the kind of stuff, but s- some similarities. Both of them were in a boat. Jonah was in a boat. Jesus was in a boat. They were both asleep. Jonah's sleeping, trying to escape the call of God. Jesus is sleeping. He's just tired. Really a demonstration of his humanity as he's just exhausted from just ministering to crowds, and now he's asleep. Both of them were wakened and told, we're going to die. The sailors said to Jonah, we're going to die. Call on your God. We're going to die. The disciples said to Jesus, don't you care? We're going to die. Another similarity is both. There was a miraculous intervention and the sea was calmed. In both stories, the sailors were more terrified after the water was calm than before. Amazing. Two identical stories. There's other differences in the stories too, but Mark might be showing us that the stories aren't that different when you step back and look at the life of Jesus. Because Matthew said in his gospel, he said, Jesus, quoting Jesus, when Jesus said, a greater than Jonah is here, referring to himself. He meant this, someday, someday I'm going to calm all the storms and still all the waves. Someday I'm going to destroy destruction, brokenness, and I'm going to kill death. Amen? All of that. How can he do it? Because on the cross, Jesus was thrown into the ultimate storm, the waves of sin and death and judgment by Heavenly Father for our sin. He was thrown into that ultimate storm of sin and death. He took it upon himself. And just like in Jonah, it says God hurled a storm when Jonah was in the boat. So he did upon Jesus. And Jesus faced a storm that could sink us, the storm of eternal justice. And he's thrown into that storm. Now we know he willingly went as well. The disciples were terrified when they realized who was in the boat with them and they they felt exposed. They felt unclean, like Isaiah said, a man of unclean lips and the eternal judge of the universe was sitting with them in the boat. This eternal judge sitting in the boat with them 
had not come to condemn or judge them, but to love them. He'd not come to face the ultimate storm. He'd come to save them. Or he came to face the storm to save them. Jesus came to face the storm to save you and I. If the picture of that storm that Jesus has thrown into for us to pay our penalty, if that picture, we've all probably seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ, and everything that they're trying to depict that Jesus went through, but if that picture of everything that Christ went through, the ultimate storm that he faced, taking our sin upon himself, the one who was sinless, the one who was perfect, and he took our sin. If that picture of the ultimate storm that Jesus faced for you and I was burned into our spirit and into our heart, we would never again say, don't you care? Don't you care? Friends, he cared so much. He took the ultimate storm for us. If we could keep that in view, if I could keep that in view, let alone the rest of you, if, if I could keep that in view, that Jesus went to the extreme punishment for me, how could I ever say, when struggles and storms are allowed to come my way, God, don't you care? Don't you care? We only had that picture burned into our mind, into our heart, into our spirit. As we faced struggles and storms, we, yes, he cared so much. He took all of my sin on himself. If we know that he didn't abandon us in the ultimate storm, what makes us think that he would abandon us in much smaller storms of life right now? Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, Those who have hope, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on the wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. If God loved us so much, rather than waiting on him so often, we run, trying to figure it all out. But if he loved us so much that he would take his son and throw him into the ultimate storm, don't you think he'll be with us in the other storms of life? God says to you this morning, if I would do that, I'll be with you in the middle of every storm you go through. He loves us that much. That much. In the middle of our struggles, what we need is an awareness of the love of God, not just intellectually. It's one thing for someone to tell you that God loves you. It's a whole other thing for the revelation to come into your own spirit and you hear from God himself and from Jesus, I love you. One thing to be told, Jesus loves you, and the song to be sung, Jesus loves you, it's a whole other thing when it's something you experience for yourself how much Jesus loves you. If we're going to get through and thrive in the struggles and the storms, we need to remember how much Jesus loves us. We come to him and we say, I need 
I need to experience your love again in the struggles I'm going through. Perhaps today you need to come back to God and hear him say that he loves you. That he went to the ultimate storm for you. Secondly, not only do we have to remember his love, but we have to remember Jesus' wisdom. Why does God allow me to go through these storms and struggles? Well, we do need wisdom. And Scripture says that we all know the story, right? Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you so that when it's all ready, you can come. Well, not only is he going to prepare a place for us, but I think he's preparing us for the place he's preparing. And I think some of the preparation tools that he uses is allowing us to go through some struggles and some storms, a few trials, a few tribulations, getting us ready for that place. 2 Corinthians four seventeen and 18 says, the Apostle Paul writing, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is seen and on, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And he says it's our light and momentary trouble. Now, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked, he was beaten, he was left for dead. I don't know if I would call that light and momentary trouble. I think that's pretty intense. But in the light of, I guess, what Christ went through, he calls it light and momentary trouble are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. As somebody once said, friends, God is more concerned about the line of your eternity than the dot of your present. He's more concerned about the line of our eternity than the dot of our present. Our life here, Scripture says, is like a vapor. Here today and gone tomorrow. But James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4 talks about how God is forming us in a certain way. Notice he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now that's what we do, right? When we're facing trials and tribulations of many kind, we invite our friends and neighbors over and we have a party. Not. Maybe a pity party at times. But when we're facing these things, he says, count it all joy. I'm working on that one, Jesus. Consider it pure joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Oh. So that's how I should view trials and storms and struggles. It's the testing of my faith. It's going to produce perseverance. And when perseverance has finished its work, I'm going to be mature, complete, not lacking anything. I guess that's enough to be joyful about. That word perseverance, or in some translations, it's steadfastness is an important character trait. And God has used circumstances and things to build in us the quality of steadfastness. I kind of kid around sometimes with some people when they, they, they ask me, some of my friends ask me, so 
how long have you been pastoring at Northwest Family Church? And now I, we can say to them, well, it's almost 30 years. So they obviously say, so how can you stay so long in one place? That's, that's easy. You just have to outlive your critics. It's not easy. It's kind of an off-the-cuff remark, but one of the things that, that I believe that God has been teaching Marilyn and I over the course of these years and, and prior, he's teaching us this little word, perseverance, steadfastness. You ask, have you ever been tempted to quit? Oh, many times. I applied for a job once to be a home inspector. I never even got a response. How rude is that? But underlying it all, when push came to shove, it would all come back to how can you when you're called to do what you do? But in and all, and in your life too, I'm sure that what God is allowing to be developed in your life, do we always pass every test? No. But if we're aware and remember the love of Christ and his wisdom, because we need both, we can thrive in the middle of struggles and storms. If we're not steadfast and we quit halfway through, let me tell you the bad news. If you quit halfway through and you throw in the towel, you lose what you could have had for all eternity. The rewards. Listen, Paul said he finished the race and there was now a crown laid up for him. God says, I want to make you steadfast. I want to make you to persevere for this He needs to use struggles to make us steadfast so we don't lose what we've gained. We need to be grateful that God loves us so much and is so wise that he allows the struggles and storms into our lives to build in us character. Notice in Matthew 3, verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now the next verse, it talks about the... um, purifying aspect and and so we understand that but this verse 11 you know we we in I think in Pentecostal circles sometimes fail to do read the whole verse we say he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit period but it says and fire the verse doesn't stop after the words Holy Spirit and people have a tendency to stop there God refines us with fire heat Malachi 3 2 but who can endure the day of his coming who can stand when he appears for he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap back to James James says consider pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of any kind because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. 
When you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. If any of you lack wisdom, friends, my confession, often I've had to come and say, Lord, I need wisdom. I have no idea what I'm doing. Do you know for the majority of the 30 years we've almost been here now, my wife and I have not known what we're doing? There, there, there's, there's so many instances I, I, could, I could share with you that I had no idea. And God just gave us wisdom when we asked and we needed it. And you probably have experienced the very same thing. If we're going to make it through the struggles and storms, we need his wisdom. And he says, ask. In the context of that verse, if you lack wisdom, ask. The context of the verse is in the middle of trials and tribulations, ask God for wisdom. In the middle. Remember his love and remember his wisdom. See, not only do we need his love, but we need his wisdom. And sometimes God wants to show us the purpose for struggles and storms, and sometimes not. Many times he'll show us after the fact. But we need to come for wisdom to navigate through the struggles. And God will love you experientially, and he'll give you wisdom practically for these times. 2 Corinthians twelve seven, Paul says, Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And he prayed that it would be removed. And God says, no, if I do, you're going to get conceited. Almost hear Paul say, bring on the thorn. Struggles. And he prayed and he prayed for it. And God said, no. Philippians 1.12. I want you to know, my brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Wow. So that was a reason for some of the trials and the storms that Paul went through. It actually advanced the gospel. And some of the trials and struggles you are going through are actually going to advance the gospel as your life becomes a testimony of the love of God, the wisdom of God to those who are observing you. And trust me, there are many observing you. Before the storm, Jesus had been teaching the crowds when he said to the disciples, let's go to the other side. Friends, God has a plan for your life, my life, our lives. And he says to us, let's go to the other side. The disciples didn't know the storm they were going to face, but they could have remembered Jesus saying and his promise, we're going to the other side. Friends, we're going to the other side. The things you're facing right now, I want you to hear from the Lord if you can. You're going to the other side. You're going to the other side. I think we could almost have one of the old Negro spirituals that way, right? Just... Going to the other side. We're going to the other side. 
And as he takes us on our respective journeys, there's going to be storms along the way, but God is saying, friends, I'm going to get you to the other side, Lori, safe and sound. Safe and sound, he's going to get us to the other side. Struggles, storms, trials, but we're going to the other side and nothing's going to thwart God's plan for your life. Don't panic. Don't abandon the Lord, but trust him. He loves you so much. He'll give you wisdom to make it to the other side. I think someone should write a song. We're going to the other side. And I think he's waiting for us on the other side. Saying, don't give up. Don't fret. I do care. I demonstrated it once and for all on the cross. I cared enough to go to the cross. I care enough to take you through the little puddles that you'll go through in life. Father, I thank you. For we can learn some incredible lessons from stories that are recorded for us in scripture. But Lord, words are easy and scriptures we read often. But sometimes in the trenches of life, we get distracted and we forget. Forgive us, Lord, for the times when we said, don't you care? Don't you even care? And you went through the ultimate storm for every human being on planet Earth. You provided a way for us to receive eternal life. But we get so concerned about the dot of the present, we forget about the line of eternity and how you're preparing us now for the place you're preparing us for then. Help us, Lord, to be a little more eternal conscious. you're here this morning and maybe you've forgotten the ultimate storm that Jesus went through for you. Maybe you've forgotten that he said in the midst of struggles and storms, we lack wisdom to ask and he'll give us wisdom on how to navigate through them. Doesn't always remove them right away. He wants to build in us character, perseverance and steadfastness that we might become mature, strong, planting of the Lord. Maybe you need to pray a prayer this morning and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. How could I ever say you don't care when you went through the ultimate storm for me? Give me wisdom to know how to navigate this storm, this struggle this trial. I need your wisdom. And oh, I need a reminder of how much you love me. 
Jesus, I pray that each one of us would grasp just a little bit greater the amazing love of our Heavenly Father would allow his son to go through the ultimate storm to redeem us, to bring us back into relationship with our Heavenly Father. And friend, if you're here this morning and you have not accepted Christ, why don't you just pray a simple prayer this morning and say, Jesus, forgive me. I'm beginning to understand that you went to the cross and there you died for my sin. I ask you to forgive me. I repent. I turn from my sin. I, I want to follow you. I need your help. I need your strength. I need your Holy Spirit to reside in me and help me. Please forgive me. I want you to be my Savior who saves me and my Lord who directs my life. Why don't you pray that prayer this morning? Or maybe you're here this morning and you have been tempted more than enough to blame God and you want to say, God, I'm sorry. I know life gets tough and I, I've lost sight of the realities of your amazing, amazing love and I'm so sorry. Help me to focus and remember on how much you love me. Remember to ask for wisdom to navigate the storm, knowing that you're a sovereign God and you have my best interests at heart. You want to develop in me the character of Christ. So, Lord, I submit to your hand. Father, I just pray for each one here this morning, in whatever state we're in, position we're in, that, Lord, our hearts will be tender and open and soft to you that our walk with you will be one that's fresh daily as we listen and hear your voice and follow you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, lift up his countenance on you, and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.